Welcome everyone to another episode of Movie Club. Today we are talking about The Green Mile. The Green Mile. Who picked this one? The Green uh, Mile. I did. The Green Mile. There you go. Now we all said it. I picked it. The Green Mile. I picked it. Mm-hmm. We're talking about The Green Mile. Yeah. The yep. Green Mile. How? Who out there? Show of hands. Who's seen The Green Mile? Who's read the book? You know, I started to. Have you read the book? I have. Well, does, uh, audiobook counts, right, as reading? Like, why, What would you call that? Yeah. I read it. Yeah, that's where we're Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's where it is. Wow. Now. We, we, we actually read the book for today's episode. <laughs> we're going to do book club on today's episode. Oh, nice. I started it uh, because, remember, it was like a serialized thing. Yeah, that's so why he did it as like a... Yeah, quick little like novelettes. Yeah, and my, my mom was always super into uh, Stephen King, and so I remember she was collecting them at the time. I was like, this seems interesting. And then, yeah, I, I read like maybe the first couple, and he fell off. That was as far as I got. I saw the movie then. Mm. Okay. But anyway. Well, today is uh, Rocco Pick on today's episode of Movie Club. Thank you all for joining us. We're doing The Green Mile. Rocco, why did you pick The Green Mile? Uh, this is a movie I saw a long time ago. I liked it a long time ago. Uh, there's always shaky ground, though, when it comes to movies from the uh, kind of late 90s, early 2000s. Sometimes you have great memories of them, uh, specifically from this era, and then you revisit them, and they've got this uh, ugh, this early 2000s kind of, you know what I mean? Reek to it, where it's like, yeah, it's yeah. a bit shit. What do you I don't know mean? if this is still good. I don't know if I do know what you There's, mean. Well, I, I feel like the movie Gladiator mm-hmm. isn't that good. It's not that good of a movie. It, but yeah. back in the day, like that movie Gladiator. ruled. But it's got that early. I still like it. it but it's got that early two thousands. I don't know how to describe it. There's a corniness to a lot of early two thousands movies that. You don't remember being there, but then you watch it 20 years later, and it's like, oh, yeah, this was painfully early 2000s. That doesn't necessarily mean it's worse or anything like that. I was just curious, though, if any of that would linger with this one. But also, the main reason I picked it is, again, I really liked it back then. And I even remember at, there was a time, Derek, I remember we were but we were but children. And I remember you saying this was one of your favorite movies. Uh, and I agreed with you. I thought it was a great movie, but I remember. Whoa, you're going to out me, bro. Yeah. At, back then, you know, <laughs> hey, we were all different people back then. But yeah, you guys saw it in theaters, saying, right? Did you guys see it in theaters? I did not. I didn't. It, this was an early DVD for me. This mm. was like back in the early DVD days. I picked this up and it was like, whoa. Yeah, I went to see this movie in theaters with my dad. I was 15 and the film melted. Whoa! In the movie theater, yeah. Like you, you may have seen that in cartoons when the film starts to melt and you see the reel go off the frame. That happened to me in real life. I didn't know that could really happen. That's nuts. In 1999, yeah. It's a three-hour movie. It's like a three-hour and eight-minute movie, and the film melted at like the three-hour mark. Oh my! Oh, that sucks. Are you serious? So that would piss me off. (laughs) I went back to the movie theater and I watched it again a second time. Oh my god! They didn't give you like a a credit to come back and finish this fucking movie. They didn't. What the AMC? I went to a different theater with a different group of people, and I was like, "This movie's awesome. We have to watch it." And I didn't tell them, but I secretly get to see the ending now. <laughs> and somebody pulled the fire alarm. Shut what the, the fuck, fuck up. The second time I what? went to see The Green Mile. What? We were only about 
90 minutes into the movie that time. Oh, my God. It's a cursed movie. So I went back to the theater a third time. I saw I sat through like seven or eight hours of this in theaters to get to the fucking ending. How could it not be my favorite movie? <laughs> you worked so hard after that. Yeah. yeah, I worked so hard to see it. It's it's pretty good movie at the time. I was like, wow, I I had to work so hard to see that. It holds a, <laughs> it holds a special place in my heart. Uh, so I did really like this movie when it came out when yeah. I was fifteen. I bought it on VHS. It was one of those double yeah, VHS. doubles. Oh, you know, that like and Titanic. Titanic, yeah, and the Green Mile. Those were the only two double VHSs I had. Uh, yeah, and I still remember. I was watching it for this one, and uh, it was like, oh, I don't have to pause for the intermission here. It doesn't say oh, insert tape two. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, when they go to the picnic scene with each other. Yeah. How funny. So, yeah, I've seen this movie many, many times. Yeah. Not only three times in theaters, but at least ten times after that. Hmm. Uh, but I haven't hmm. seen it in a long time, so it was nice yeah, to revisit I. it. Yeah, yeah I, I recently bought it. There was some sale on iTunes. It was like $7 for two movies. It was this and Shawshank Redemption. Oh. And I was like, well, those are two great movies that I love. Let me just buy this. And then I haven't watched either one of them, and I was like, I don't think I'm ever <laughs> going to watch these movies. I don't, why did I buy this? But then you chose it, and I was happy to finally yeah. use my purchase. Yeah. I just, I just, I just watched Shawshank uh, again. I had, I had only seen that once before, and I just rewatched it. I could have picked that one too. Maybe oh man, um, a whole era of uh, Stephen <laughs> King prison movies. You know, he never finished the trilogy. We need another prison story. It would be cool if Stephen King today we got like, yeah, okay, the third Stephen King prison movie. Uh, I do want to say though, I am curious. Just real quick, you know, before we get too deep in the Green Mile, has that ever happened? Has anything that he described no, in the film melting or never. anything? The only film error I can ever remember, and I think you were there, was Revenge of the Sith. That did play on film when we saw that opening night, okay. and the audio track was fucked. Where mm. it was like, um, when they would hit explosions, the film stopped. Like, it was, uh, you know, they're in the opening battle. Da, 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 yeah, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll go over there. Oh, it kept, wow. Like, when there would be a big sound, it was like dipping out the audio. Yeah. And I did hear that they they didn't make any announcement that night that we get free tickets. But I was hearing from people in the weeks following that, like, hey, uh, they I think they were afraid to say it there. But if you go and harass them, they'll give you a free ticket. But I never went back. So let me rephrase that. I have no recollection, but I'm sure, yes. Because <laughs> you're mentioning this. Like, oh, yeah, that did happen. So I'm, what else have I forgotten? I so so hyped that night, the final Star Wars movie, little did we know. And uh, and the audio cutting out in the beginning was like... Yeah. Oh. Such anyway. a heartbreaker. It was. Yeah. Well, anyways, The Green Mile. The Green Mile. There we go. That's why I don't it's want been to an say episode. It. It's been a hell of an episode, everybody. Thank Thanks. you for Thanks. watching. I hope it's worth we'll the wait. We'll see you next week. <laughs> uh, well, anything else you want to say about the Green Mile, Rocco? No. Let's, I'm ready for shakers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do our shakers. All right. We're going to go into the Green Mile. We're going to be spoiling the movie. If you haven't seen it, uh, you probably don't want to watch this. Otherwise, we're going to spoil it. And we're going to spoil everything. We're going to spoil it all. We're going to talk about all the twists and turns. So strap your seatbelts on. Tie your butts down. We're about to get fucking hog fucking wild. On today's episode of Movie Club, we're scarfing down the green mile. Woo! Strap yourself into the chair. We're about to flip the fucking switch. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. We're about to get your fist fucked in the green mile. Uh, and we ain't getting that sponge wet at all. So The Green Mile is a uh, movie that's over three hours long. It continues the um, long and sacred tradition of 
Rocco picking movies that are over three hours long <laughs> is that, for is movie that, club. Is that something I've done? Yes. What? <laughs> I can't I, think now that you mentioned it, I'm trying to struggle if there's another one. There, there definitely is. is. There you. definitely has been. And I, I'm mad at myself for not knowing what it is. Are you kidding me? Justice League was like no, five, Justice League. five days yeah. long. Yeah. But that, yeah, but it was so good. It felt like 90 minutes. When I chose Mad, 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 Mad World, I didn't realize how long that was. I think that may have yeah. been close to three hours, but so it wasn't quite. Don't point the finger at me. No, no, I'm still pointing at you. It's fine. Uh, to be fair, this feels like a brisk two hours and 45 minutes, though. I... I I disagree. This one took me. This one took me forever to get through, and it was just like, all right, I'll watch Green Mile. I was like, you know what, ten minutes in, I was like, oh, I'm gonna do something. I gotta do something else. I'll get back I to it. Felt, I never felt like this. I never knew this was a three-hour movie. It never felt. It never felt that way to me. Yeah, I, it just took me like a month and a half to get through. A long time. I did it though. I got through it. So thank you. Um. Yeah. It. I mean. Well. I'll say I'll hold my judgment for the end. The movie follows an old man by the name of Paul Edgecombe. And he is in an old folks home. And every day he goes on this walk and it's very mysterious where he goes. And uh, we see that he goes deep into the woods. What's he doing out there? Hunting gold? Hunting Bigfoot? We don't know. Yeah, we don't he, know. he goes way into the woods. I'm talking like a three hour trek every day. Uh, and he, got, he comes to some Jason Voorhees style cabin. What's inside the cabin? That is the big mystery that the Green Mile sets out to solve. We'll get back to that one later. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day, Paul is chilling at the old folks' home. There's this chick there that he's like trying to uh, lay pipe with. <laughs> uh, I don't remember her. They never give us her name. Yeah, do uh, they? Paul's uh, bang buddy. But they're watching TV, and this old you like this. This old movie comes on. Uh, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it's oh uh, shit, yeah. It's uh, they're singing this song, heaven, I'm in heaven, and uh, Paul starts to cry. He starts to cry like a little bitch baby. He's oh my just, goodness! Like, weeping there, like oh, this movie's making me cry. It's like the way I feel when I watch Titanic. It just makes me feel. <laughs> By the way, that's gonna be me someday. I'm gonna be like 80 years old in the old folks' home, and Titanic's gonna come on. I'm just gonna start weeping. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for like the golden age, the golden era of my life. Yeah. <laughs> 1997. Yeah. The, the <laughs> old lady that he's trying to bang, uh, she's like, Paul, what's wrong? And he thus begins a very long-winded story. <laughs> Out of nowhere, he's like, I used to work on death row. They called death row the last mile. But in our prison, they called it the green mile because the floor was the color of faded limes. Um... Just the whole movie is named after the color of the floor in this prison. They could have called this movie so many things based on that yeah. uh, rule scape. This, this could have been the mustard mile. Yeah, this could have yeah. been the period mile. I'm really glad the green mile is nice. It's a nice It's a nice ring to it. You know, it yeah. feels good. And they could have called this, uh, the ch- they called it the chocolate mile because our floor looked like somebody had run a river of diarrhea right across the tiles. You, uh, funny story about that. There is a uh, long-standing urban legend or rumor or whatever uh, in Disney World. In uh, If you go through part of Disney World, there's a brown trail through all of Liberty Square. Oh, no. And the rumor is and that... Pluto was wiping no, his butt. Um, the- <laughs> um, no, Imagineers... Well, it's all supposed to look like early America in that area, and and the Sean rumor is Imagineers talked about uh, that uh, back in the day everyone would just dump their shit in like a there was a trough going down the town, and then that's why they put that there. It's like their little historical inside joke. It's just a river of shit. That can't be right. Disney 
They don't shit there. So, uh, confirmed. Disney's nothing more than a river of shit. Uh, confirmed by the Imagineers. Not my words. I'm just saying. That's what they said. Could be. Mm-hmm. Paul is the uh, he's the boss of the Green Mile. He's the boss of Death Row, and he also happens to have a urinary tract infection. Real bad. That's the worst of his life. Yeah. Which? How many did he have? If he like these are multiples. No, no. I I, I would guess at least two. At least two. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, their best syndicate is a shirt company, and that they have a shirt called Tom Hanks Pissin. And I love that shirt. Me too. But again, he pees in a lot of movies, and it just kind yeah. of it's, it highlights each one of these moments on what a shirt. What movies does he pee in? A, a League of Their Own. He has yeah. a long piss scene. He, a long one. piss scene. Okay. There's yeah, another he, one. Yeah, there's, an, there's a third. Is it Paul Thirteen? Big? Takes a big piss? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. But anyways, it's just a... Yeah, but this one, he's definitely the most sweaty. You know, yeah. he's sweaty and st- clearly struggling. Yeah, yeah, he's having time. I've never had a urinary tract infection, infection oh. but it looks terrible. It looks like no fun. I've um, had one. Have you? Yeah. Was it terrible? Was it like this? Or was it cool? <laughs> it was awesome. It was oh, like... Nice. Cool. Woo! You ever eaten so many flaming hot Cheetos that your ass burns when you take a dump? Mm. You know, I've, I've actually never had that happen to me. I, I've never you don't, had, you don't like I've hot never had uh, <sighs> spicy shit. Well, how do I describe a urinary tract infection then? Uh, that's that's the closest thing to it. <laughs> except it's coming. But it out, is like that. Except it's coming out the front instead of the back. Wow. Sorry. Wow. TMI for everybody out Damn. there. Damn. Well, hey, pa- if you've lived, you've lived. It's Patreon. If they you can, haven't, live moss. Yeah, they can handle this. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, he's there, and that's it. That's the end of the movie, everybody. No, uh, they're there, and they pretty much throw you right into the movie with showing you how everything works on the Green Mile by bringing in a new prisoner that day. And the prisoner that day um, happens to be this huge black guy named John Coffey. And he's played by Michael Clark Duncan. I believe Michael Clark Duncan won an Oscar for this role, I have uh, uh, or no. at least was nominated. He, nominated, yeah. He lost it to Michael Caine, and a lot of people. Ooh, were, I, I mean, don't like, yeah. Love Michael Caine. What was Michael Caine? What, what movie? I can't remember. Cider has rules, some shit, something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was probably and that. I think it was, and people were very bummed about that. And I think even Michael Caine said something where he was like, "This was not my best performance. This belonged to that guy." Mm-hmm. I, I think, it, I think that was a, a huge shame because I think Michael Clark Duncan is so fucking good. He is so good in this movie. Do you know that it was originally offered to Shaq? No. Yeah, and he turned it down. Can, I can't imagine Shaquille O'Neal doing this. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal would tweet out, uh, me in the electric chair. Ah, that's me yelling. <laughs> Some people got it. Some people didn't. Mm-hmm. I myself did not. Uh, but moving on. They bring Michael Clark Duncan, who plays a character named John Coffey, into the prison, and he's a big, hulking giant of a man who happens to be a gentle giant. He's yeah. afraid of the dark, and he's very soft-spoken, and uh, immediately it's very weird. People are like, well, what's this guy doing on death row? What could he have done to be put on death row? Uh, we soon find out that, according to his arrest report, John Coffey is charged with the rape and murder of two young girls who are uh, pre-teenagers. I guess the Stephen King wrote this, and it was based on like a real world crime that had taken yeah, place. Yeah. I found out that the youngest person in American history to ever be sent to the electric chair was 14 years old. I read that too, and uh, 
he was a black kid who was accused of killing these two young girls. And that instance, that time in American history already has a couple of movies based on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which I can only imagine are, is very hard to watch. But I, I, uh, I think that that was the inspiration for the Green Mile. Yeah. This John Coffey character is very childlike and has this innocence about him that is also childlike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anything to add to to the discussion? No. Uh, I'll get to. I have a lot of thoughts about what the crime later on. Uh, I'll get to that later. But yeah, you know, I think honestly, like the first half of the movie, like I you immediately sucked in, I think. They did a great job. Tom Hanks is great. Um, who's the guy who plays um Brutal? The like his like sci- his uh sidekick, you know, like uh what's that guy's name? He's great. I don't know that guy's name, but I he's in a lot of movies. He's got yeah. a he's one of those actors where you'll recognize his face and you'll never know his name. That is yeah, exactly totally. it. But he's always I always love that guy. Yeah. Hundred percent of the time. What else was he in? Uh he's been in like so many movies. Uh, he David Morse is his name. Yeah, nobody's gonna know that. What what <laughs> character he played? I don't know. I don't know. But every time I see him, I'm so happy. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, it's killing the me. Computer. We're, uh, we're yeah, up the let's IMDb. see. Uh, we got uh, man, he's in so much stuff. Yeah, I know. It just keeps going and going. He was in World War Z. I didn't know that. Well, nobody that. saw that. Nobody um, saw that. One guy listening is like, yeah. I saw World War Z. It was good. Like a hundred TV shows. I'm trying to find a movie that I remember. Yeah, I mean. What? All right, David Morse. Google it and you'll be like, oh, that guy. Anyways, moving on. Yeah. Um. So The Green Mile, you know, I watched this movie when I was a kid and I, I loved it as a kid. I watch it now as an adult. I still really like it as an adult. It's a good movie. It was nominated for Best Picture. It actually was released in 1999 which a lot of people consider to be the greatest year for movies of all time. And really? You, yeah, you could have a whole discussion about well, that. Yeah, Phantom Menace. Yeah. The Matrix? No, yeah, they make this um, uh, argument that there was this uh, pivotal moment in movies where like indie movies kind of became mainstream yeah, for a second. Yeah. And in 1999, you got like all these super iconic movies. Hmm. This movie, The Matrix, yeah. American yeah. Beauty... Um, Cider House Rules. Cider House Rules. Yeah, a lot of like, uh, you know, the type of movies they don't really make anymore. It was just a good year for films. Hmm. Huh. So I watch this movie now and I appreciate kind of how they structure the movie and how they tell this story. Yeah. And what they do here is it's a three hour movie. And in the first hour, they pretty much just introduce you to all the main characters. You meet Paul Edgecombe, who's played by Tom Hanks. You meet John Coffey the uh, main prisoner in this movie about jail. And then you meet the other prisoners on death row. There's uh, Edward, Edward Delacroix, mm-hmm. who is this Creole murderer. There's a Native American guy who's on death row. You get to meet all the guards as well. Yeah. Sean already mentioned the tall guy who goes by the nickname Brutal. There's also a little Weasley slimy guard named Ooh. Percy Whitmore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's played by real world uh, pedophile. Yeah. Uh, Doug. Doug. Hutchinson. Doug Hutchinson. <laughs> Side you- note on Doug Hutchinson. He played Horace on Lost and married a 15-year-old girl. Let's talk about how Doug Hutchinson actually married a 15-year-old that girl. That guy is such a fuck in this movie and i yeah. just assume he's just such a fuck in real life too like he's not even acting <laughs> this guy just showed up to set and just read the lines but he's not trying he's, he's a fucking asshole uh, i hate this guy well i like to think at the time he was a good actor but uh this was before all the 15 year old girl 
uh, crime was committed. So, well, this is what's weird to me is he was already cast and lost. Okay, fine, but then he was in like I Zombie. Like who? In Who's 20, casting him now? Twenty nineteen, we were still casting him. No, fuck seems, this seems guy. Like a weird guy. Um, <laughs> his his fifteen year old bride, uh, I believe, divorced him by the time she was seventeen. Oh, okay. Mm. That's and, the time and is to now do it, an you know? advocate against uh, uh, predators uh, who prey on oh young, young children. Oh, so okay. Something well, good did come out. That's of it. good. Uh, this guy sucks, and uh, he's an asshole in the movie. But he was really good in iZombie. I really want to <laughs> and, just and he's, he's really good in this movie too. Yeah. Percy Whitmore plays a sniveling guard who is related to the lieutenant governor of Louisiana, the state where the prison is. And so he basically uh, has this job no matter what he does. And so he is just he abuses his power. He's a shit lord, uh, but they can't fire him. We take our time to meet all the characters in really interesting ways. And then it's like, all right, now get to the part where you start electrocuting people. <laughs> no, they don't do that. Yeah. The movie really kind of dives into its story with a little mouse that shows up. <laughs> this mouse shows up on the Green Mile. This is honestly, without the mouse, you don't have a movie. If the mouse isn't in the Green Mile, this movie sucks. But yeah. when this mouse shows up, it's like, hmm, wait, this little movie about a prison is suddenly getting cute. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I would I would say so. Sure. Yeah, they start getting some Stuart Little. Yeah, I feel like the two characters. Yeah, it turns into a mouse hunt. Like, I think the electric chair, old Sparky, is a character in itself. Like, that is an important part of this. And they do go, the, like, they show you the ins and outs of how this thing's going to work. Yeah. But then the mouse is, yeah, like, another character that you don't think about. But yeah, that definitely is very important. And the movie doesn't really work without it. Also, uh, yeah, I think just in general, the this movie could have been executed and well no pun intended uh very miserably and just a dour kind of soul suck of a movie and i think what makes it work so good is that like you said you get to know all the characters but they also you know yeah you have a oh we're trying to get a mouse and we're trying you know what i mean it it, it um i was I, i've said this a million times before i always love stuff that can walk a dark subject line and and also you know life also has humor in it at the same time as you know dark things are happening and i this movie walks that line really good, I think. Yeah. But anyway, you need that mouse. I yeah, also kind of like that you almost like almost all the characters in this movie, and you shouldn't really, yeah, considering where prison. you are. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, even like, um, you know, obviously the, that Wild Bill guy you fucking hate, and then yeah. Percy you hate. But everyone else, I think you're kind of on their side. And, and they may have even committed murder. We right. don't know the whole story with some of them. They so, probably yeah, you, did. I yeah. think even the, the um, oh, what, what's the, the French guy? What's his name? Oh, we, yeah. we, we just said it. We just fucking said it. The Edward Delacroix. Delacroix. Yeah. He even says, like, I wish I didn't do the things I did. Like, he yeah. like even like feels bad about it, but you still like him. Like, you like everyone. Yeah, they do a really good job. You're kind of, like, behind, behind, not to sound corny, you're kind of behind the bars with them. Mm -hmm. you, you you reflect on those things with them. And it makes it more interesting, I think, yeah. when they have to, you know, when they, the, the first person they kill is uh, the guy they call Chief. And when they... It's like you could tell that like the guards are doing their job, but they don't want to be doing this. Like, they're not they're, killers. They're not killers, and they they're just doing what they're told to do. But yeah. they they feel for him, and they wish it wasn't this way. It wasn't so like you know it wasn't so cold as I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you get insight on these people, um, and it's kind of yeah, it's powerful. Makes them more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So. I agree. And this mouse shows up um, and it becomes kind of like a comedy movie. It's a it's a levity storyline. 
Talking about the structure of this movie, they introduce all these characters to you, and then this movie has a very episodic feel to it. And I've, yeah. o- I've always felt that way. It's a three-hour movie, and they kind of... It's almost like three episodes of the prison television show <laughs> yeah. starring Tom Hanks and the guys who were on this Which uh, death row. makes sense since this came out as novelettes and yeah. wasn't one concise story to begin with. It was broken into little pieces, yeah. like uh, chapters, if That's you will. Yeah, so they're makes little sense. sagas. Yeah. So it starts with this saga <laughs> about the mouse, um, and they try to capture the mouse. They can't capture the mouse, uh, and then Percy... Whitmore discovers the mouse and he personally tries to capture himself. He also fails. And we see that the guys were really meticulous and caring um, when they tried to capture the mouse. And Percy was really like wild and chaotic and kind of crazy. And they butt heads over that and kind of get into a little fight. The next saga is about a new prisoner showing up who is the worst prisoner they've ever had. Uh, He goes by the nickname Billy the Kid. He's played by Sam Rockwell. This was the first movie I had ever seen Sam Rockwell in. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Uh, I don't know if this was his debut, but he came in with a blast. I didn't know who Sam Rockwell was before this movie, and he instantly became like one of my favorite actors. Hmm. Uh, I think he's really good in this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you hate him, twisted, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. This guy is uh, manipulative and super evil. He's a murderer, but he also like pretends to be mentally challenged, and he mounts not even like an escape attempt, but he just like attacks people. Um, yeah. He's just like really crazy, bad character. Um, I do want to say though, I it just occurred to me that is this is not the first movie I saw him in, and maybe it wasn't for you either. He was uh, a one of the criminal uh, kids in the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There is one criminal, you know, they have a criminal lair. There's one criminal that has all the lines where he's like showing anything you want to do, do it. You know, regular or menthol. You know, there's one guy, and that's him. Every line, oh. like it, they always have him do the talk, mm, or nice. you know, in that lair. So. And and if you go back and watch it, he's a young actor and he's still really good. He's in, great. Like, he's uh he he deserves uh Oscars and yeah. way more critical praise. Sam totally. Rockwell, amazing actor. Yeah. Um after Sam Rockwell, uh Billy the Kid, his breakout attempt fails. There's uh remember we mentioned Tom Hanks had a urinary tract infection. That's been developing over the first hour and a half of the movie, and John Coffey basically um Attacks Tom Hanks, but grabs his penis. Uh, yeah, this one gets good. Grabs his penis. Mm-hmm. Pulls. Okay, so if you haven't seen the movie, let me set the stage. Tom Hanks is on one side of the jail cell. John Coffey's yeah. on the other. And John Coffey is this huge guy. And he grabs Tom Hanks and he cra- he caresses Tom Hanks' penis. Yeah. And he's you won't just believe like, what happens. He's there. just like rubbing it. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. then he pulls Tom Hanks's face like really close, and he starts like breathing in his breath. It's very sexual, dude. It's hot. Uh, long it? story short, he cures Tom Hanks yeah. of his urinary tract infection. Me too. When I watched that. Yeah. And he he sucks in the bad stuff with his yeah, hand and mouth. Oh yeah, he sucks them off. And he too. spits out the bugs or yeah. Yeah, what would you call that? It looks phenomenon? like bugs, but it's not bugs. I don't yeah, know. Like dark, Ash, dark matter. Yeah, I'm, I'm joking. I'm being a fucker here, but yeah, John uh, uh, John Coffee attacks Tom Hanks, and he's able to like magically heal his urinary tract infection. He does put his hand on his crotch, and then he like sits down, and starts coughing, and ejects all these like gnats. But it's like the evil negative energy that he just, which sucked is the out first time in the movie where like, oh, there's like a 
weird thing happening here. Like, yeah, but everything's pretty like by the books. There's a fantastic. And element. all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's like a sci-fi thing yeah. here. Like, what is this? Yeah, it turns into like a dark fantasy. Uh, this is where Stephen King's. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, this is a Stephen King story. Of yeah, course, yeah, something's yeah. gonna get weird and paranormal. See, yeah. this is what ruined Shawshank for me in my first viewing because I had so many people tell me, well, "You never saw Shawshank? That's like the first. That's like the companion to this movie." Oh, you were right and for I, that. I was well, yeah. It's Stephen King, like. Oh, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. And I was led to believe this that kind of thing was in Shawshank. So mm. I'm watching the whole movie. Like, is he gonna like learn to teleport out of the prison or some <laughs> fantastic kind of. thing? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that did not. So the first viewing, I was like, what the fuck? And then you know, I watched it again later. Uh, decent movie. You know. mm, oh nice, wow, nice. Shawshank. Who knew? Bold. Anyway, bold claim. Bold stance. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, so he grabs Tom's Hank. Exactly. <laughs> and he hanks him off. Yeah. Uh, he fixes the urinary tract infection, and it's like he's a magical guy. Oh, my God. What's this magical guy doing here? Tom Hanks can't believe it. He goes home, and he bangs his wife. Yeah. Like Several crazy. times. Yeah. Like there's a there's a big Tom Hanks orgy scene in this movie. Yeah, he's, he's tugging on his forest till he gumps. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, he's, uh, going. uh, he, he, he revealed the genie from big. <laughs> he saves <laughs> Ryan's private. Oh, oh. <laughs> Uh, he, he definitely uh, gave her a league of her own. <laughs> uh, we, already, we already said big. He got big. Um, uh, uh, I'll he, tell you, he, he broke the Da Vinci Code <laughs> uh, that night. <laughs> she was seeing angels and demons oh, that night. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you his great. toy story. He, he what? treated that vagina like he was fighting Charlie Wilson's war. Oh, okay. Well, he was in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Small soldiers. He's not in that. No, he's not. Okay. I'm done. Um, <laughs> I'm not done. There's way more. This guy's Hanks a lady movie. killer. There's way more Tom Hanks movies out there. Yeah, there's a shitload. Okay, uh, I have to pee so bad, and I've just been holding it this whole well, time. We don't have an infection. We're trying to. Explain We're talking it. about peeing. I got a peener. Just doing these. Ugh. Okay, so uh, Tom Hanks's wife uh, bakes some food for John Coffee because the pipe was so uh, laid so well, yeah. and. Uh, you know, Tom Hanks starts thinking John Coffey's like an angel from God. There's no way he he committed these murders. And uh, I mean, it feels like he starts like investigating it. Like he's like going around like asking like his lawyer, like John, you know. Yeah, there's a couple of things happening in the movie. There's that plot line going on, and at the same time, everybody hates Percy Whitmore, and they really want Percy to quit or transfer to a mental hospital. And he says the only way he'll do it is if he gets to be out front. For the next execution, oh. basically running the execution, uh, and they, they can't just kick him out because he's the uh, what's the lieutenant the, governor's yeah, yeah lieutenant governor's nephew. Uh, nephew. So he, he strikes so. a deal, yeah. and the next execution happens to be uh, Edouard Delacroix, and Edouard Delacroix has also captured, befriended, and trained the mouse, Mister Jangles mm -hmm. or Mister Jingle. <laughs> Those are all the plot points that are going on in the second act of this movie. No, there's a, there's another one I forgot to mention. The warden of the prison oh, yeah. is depressed because his wife has brain cancer, has a brain tumor, which we find out over the course of the movie. We know she's sick, and then we know she's dying, and then we find yeah. out it's a brain tumor. Right, yeah. Those are all the stories that are being juggled in the second half of the movie. Here's how it all plays out. Um, Tom Hanks becomes convinced that John Coffey is an angel, a, a miracle from God, and a healer. At the same time, Billy the Kid attacks Percy Whitmore uh, and embarrasses him, makes him pee his pants. Edouard Delacroix makes fun of Percy Whitmore when that happens. Mm -hmm. 
Percy Whitmore is put out front for the execution of Edouard Delacroix. And in a, uh, well, he tries to get revenge on Edouard Delacroix twice. Yes. First, he kills Mr. Jangles, the, the mouse. mouse. He yeah. steps on it, which is a, uh, is almost like a jump scare. It's a shocking part of the movie because yeah, it's, it's kind of a cute moment. Yeah. Can I just share a story about watching this movie in theaters the second time? Sure. Uh, the second time I went to see this movie in theaters, that part with the mouse happened, and some woman couldn't oh. stop laughing. What the fuck? Ew. And it what was, yeah, she was just laughing hysterically at the mouse getting stepped on, and it was one of those moments, even as a kid, I kept thinking, like, I understand that you're laughing, and that's your response to an uncomfortable situation, but lady, you sound like a fucking psycho. Yeah, right? You're the only person in the movie theater, and you're cackling, and everybody else yeah. here is crying over Fuck this off. mouse. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been, ever been in that situation where the person, like, oh, everybody's sad? Well, I think this is funny. <laughs> and I'm just like, you're a, a troll of a human being. You don't even realize how bad you look right yeah, now. Yeah, terrible. Lady. Oh, yeah. Uh, Derek, this is every time, I don't know why, when I go to see anime in a movie theater. And what you just described, picture that. Now, this is a highly reviewed movie on Movie Club, sitting through perfect blue in a theater, and the guy is laughing at every murder, like, oh, no. <laughs> and it's like that. It's like, okay, so you're going to shoot us in the theater? Like, yeah, what what's, the fuck? what's the plan, it's dude? Like, these aren't I, funny. I understand you're embarrassed <laughs> yes. to show real emotion. That's what it is. But you're compensating with it by displaying the wrong emotion. Totally. Oh. Uh, at a sentimental or otherwise, you know, like upsetting moment. Yep. Everybody here is upset by what they're seeing and, and you're you're just tickled by it. Yeah. Oh, you're cool. Fuck that. Uh, cool. The lady who thought the mouse dying was really funny. Has, is something that has sat with me my entire life. I remember you telling me about that like fucking 20 years yeah, ago. Seriously, I'm still bringing it up like, now. Yeah, she just kept laughing. Yeah. But the mouse doesn't die. John Coffey is able to bring the mouse back to life. Because he took it back, as he says. Yes, he has oh. healing powers. And he's always been saying with this like double murder that he was accused of, he's like, I just I couldn't take it back. I'm sorry. I, I tried to take it back, and I couldn't. And now we know what he meant. Uh, but Percy also gets his revenge on... Uh, I think his nickname is Dale, Edouard Delacroix. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he gets his revenge on Dale when he's out for his execution. See, you always put a wet sponge on the head of the of the person being executed, but yep. he decided not to do that. And in probably the most awesome electric chair scene ever filmed Jesus. Fucking gnarly. in history, they botched this electrocution, and it is brutal it sucks it's hard to watch because you, you, again you kind of have a sympathetic thing with this character yeah, you like too. him even and though so he's even happen. apologizing his last words saying he's sorry and whatever yeah. and then oh they fuck. cook him they fucking you have to watch it for yourself i can't even it's indescribable. it's hey, look gnarly. it up on you look it up on youtube and watch it that shit's crazy also, yeah and when you're done doing that look up lady gaga gets electrocuted because someone <laughs> did a recut where it's a uh-oh uh-oh ah! that's a good one too i'm just throwing that out there uh, but I, I, I was just going to say, I think this is uh, just going to go back a bit. This is an underrated performance as well from Michael Jeter, who played uh, that role, the Delacroix, whatever. Yeah. Um, he's so good in this. And I was just about to say, like, the poor guy just recently passed away. Uh, time is fucking flying. He didn't just recently pass away. He passed away like a couple years after this movie. Oh, In wow. my mind, that just happened. Wow. But uh, yeah, 2003, he, uh, That's crazy. Yeah, he died at 50. But, Jesus. Um, 
super underrated actor, and that performance is really good too. But this scene is Dang. is rough. I also still to this day quote this scene when something really crazy happens. I will still catch myself going, "What in the blue fuck just happened?" And yeah, that, you do that, say that right every now and then. That slips out. That is something imprinted on me by this scene when the electrocution electrocution happens. The warden can only say that. What in the blue fuck just happened? And I love Tom Hanks' response was an execution. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Ooh. Anyway. Damn. Um, so the then the final wrap-up of these juggling stories is they concoct a plan to smuggle John Coffey out of the prison to take him to the warden's house so that he can fix the warden's wife and cure her tumor with his magical bug breath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which he does. Uh, they do this by uh, they drug Sam Rockwell's character and they knock him out mm-hmm. and they kind of capture Percy Whitmore and they put him in solitary confinement so that he's just not even present for what's going on. Right. Yeah. And they're saying this as a, as a payback for what he did to Dell, even though it's not. I mean, I'm sure it's part of that, but yeah. mostly this. Yeah. After their successful mission to save the princess, uh, the warden's wife, they put John Coffey back in jail. But what's in, sorry, what's important to note though is when he sucks the brain tumor out of her head or whatever, he doesn't cough out the bugs. Like it doesn't happen yeah, for him. Yeah, he doesn't release that dark which shit is a, energy. Which is like what's happening. He's like, he's dying essentially in the back of the truck. Like when they're taking him back, he's all fucked up. Yes. And when they release Percy from solitary confinement, he kind of has a moment where he confronts John Coffey. And that's when John Coffey grabs him and kind of barfs all these bugs into Percy's mouth. And then Percy pretty much immediately turns and takes his gun and kills Wild Bill, Mm -hmm. Sam Rockwell's character. John Coffey says, I punish them both. Uh, and Tom Hanks is like, what do you mean? He's like, take my hand, I'll show you. And then he mentally, telepathically shows Tom Hanks that it was Sam Rockwell who actually killed the two girls that that uh, John Coffey is on death row for. Yeah. Uh, that was fucking hard. That was hard for me. And I haven't seen this movie since I've had kids, but that scene fucking sucks. It was it was no fun. Uh, you know, I remember back in the day, Jeff from Rooster Teeth would, like, would not want to watch like the Dead Island trailer because like a little girl gets killed. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know, man. I get it. I'm on his side. Fuck sure. the scene. Fuck that part. It was brutal. It was tough. There's, there's certain scenes that feel that do tap into some kind of violation with wherever you are in life, you know, and that that feels that way. I remember, um, you know, it's not the same thing, but I remember getting really spooked out. You know, when I when I uh, you know lived at home with my family, I remember watching Unbreakable with them. Remember that one of the creepiest scenes. You know, say whatever you will about M Night Shyamalan. He's got a few terrifying scenes in his roster. Yeah. Even if you're a horror movie fan, whatever, you don't consider him to be that. He's got a couple scenes that are like, fuck. And that one where the dude is with his family at home and answers the door and the guy's just like, I like your house. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Can I help you? Yeah, I really like your house. What? Like the guy would just come in and not leave. Yeah. That as a, as a kid was like <laughs> fucking haunting. Yeah. You now, every now and then there's something that taps into something that is, you know, important to you or whatever and anyway yeah this i could definitely see this movie that when that fucker shows up in that flashback yeah the whole thing is no good no it's no good yeah so he sam rockwell gets killed we realize john coffee is innocent confirmed uh and so at the end of the movie 
Tom Hanks doesn't know what to do. Like, do I uh, set this guy free? What do I do? I like how he gives him the option. He yeah, tells, he like, he tells like, hey, man, like, what, what am I supposed to do here? Like, I'll let you go. And then John Coffey says no. He says that he basically tells you his life's fucking tortured. And you don't know where he came from before, but it seems like it's miserable. He just hears and feels all the pain in the world, which is a lot, you know, for anyone to yeah. take. And he just can't deal with it anymore. So he's almost releasing him a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's like, nah, my life sucks. I'm black guy in the thirties. Just fucking end this shit. So they ice John coffee. They fucking light him up. They put that coffee on ice. (laughs) It's like a really tough, I don't know. Yeah. It's really sad. This whole movie is pretty sad. It's a good movie, but fuck man. Like it's a lot. It's all just tragic. It is all tragic. It is. And so then they kill John Coffey and then it cuts back to the old man telling the story, which you even forgot was even happening. Yeah, I remember I said this was the beginning of a long-winded story. <laughs> then it cuts back to old man Tom Hanks with this chick he was trying to bang. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So are we, we going to go fuck now or what? He's like, no, even better. I'm going to take you on a long walk. And he walks all the way back to that Jason Voorhees cabin from the very <laughs> beginning of the movie. To show her the, his mom's head. Yeah. And now we go inside and we see what he's been visiting every day. It's Mr. Jingles. Mr. Jingles, the mouse. Yeah. The mouse is there. And he tells her, I'm 108 years old. Yeah. And John Coffey infected me with life and infected this mouse with life. And if this mouse is still alive after 60 years, I don't know how long I'm going to be alive. Right. Uh, and then we basically see that, yeah, she dies. He basically says, like, everyone I've, my curse is everyone I ever know, I will see them die, including you. Yeah. yeah. And he just keeps on. Living. Hard cut to her dead in a coffin. Yeah. And that is That's his curse the green to bear. mile. I love, I honestly think the movie ends on the perfect note where it's, you know, he's giving a speech about, yeah, how he has to endure that. And that's his cross to bear. He's going to live to see everyone, but it actually ending on the note of like, and I wonder if that mouse is alive that long, how long I have. Like, I love always, I, I always love an ending that wraps everything up, but then gives you one thing to fucking bake your noodle. A little yeah. Bit it's like, it's like, yeah. Oh fuck that guy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I always, as a kid, especially seeing that was like, uh, Oh, that got my imagination going, but I do think, <laughs> After all this story and how emotional it is and how heavy it is and all that, it would have been so awesome if when it goes back to them as old people, that woman fucking fell asleep during that story. Uh-huh. Uh, right that after all that. I'm he, sorry. That was really boring. Like, uh, there was yeah, a mouse. You know, what happened? And, 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 and then he talks just like he does. But, man, she just passed. Like, I'm sorry. I fell asleep. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the movie. Um, I actually have more to say about this movie. Oh. Because... Yeah, so I really liked this movie when I was a kid, but watching it now, it definitely doesn't have the same punch that mm-hmm. it does. And I just feel like I've changed as a person, but also mm-hmm. the world has changed as a person. And I feel like this movie kind of has a lot of problems that I didn't realize were problems when I was a kid. Okay. Um. You know, like Michael Clark Duncan was nominated for an Oscar for this movie. And I just feel like you're pretty much just playing like a slightly mentally challenged black guy in the 1930s in this movie. And that's it. And it's like, is there a lot going on to this role? I I don't know. I think there is. I feel like he's 
like he's crying all the time. He, you feel what he feels. Like he, I don't know. I definitely think that he. Yeah, I, I think I think, I think it's he was a great really in this good movie. performance. Honestly, yeah. But I I I know what you're saying. Um, in terms of a lot of the like subtlety and things like that that you might see in someone who's nominated today, but um. I don't know. I, I think he. I think he still did a really good job. Yeah. So Stephen King has been accused of using uh, the magical black man trope mm. uh, many times, okay. and I've always like heard of that, uh, which is like the the you reserve the black characters in your movies to play these like mystical, mm-hmm. magical, paranormal roles. But that's the only role those people have. And they are almost like uh, treated like fantasy characters, not real characters. And I didn't know that that trope was actually based off of this movie. Like this Mm. movie in particular was the one that inspired that trope to come into people's awareness. Yeah. Um, So in watching this movie, uh, I felt like I had to read about that. And it really kind of opened my eyes to the fact that, yeah, this movie is kind of weird when you when you think about that. John Coffey is the only like um, black character in the movie. Mm-hmm. There are no other ones. And it's not really a realistic role. Uh, it is kind of a fantasy. Right. This this character clearly doesn't exist in real life. This right. like magical guy who goes around healing people. Mm hmm. Uh, and they were saying that this is kind of an extension of like the uh, noble savage trope. It's just not very like favorable to uh, real black people. This is kind of mm. like a fantasy, mm. uh, you know, that this character is just going to go around and help all of these people, even though he's been like brutalized throughout his entire life. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I was just watching this movie now, 20 years later, and it just really hit me of like how much of a of a bullshit fantasy this this movie is. It, it's just kind of like I don't know, it just feels like this is a little strange to have that be the only uh black character in your movie and they're just so like unrealistic. So mm-hmm. that to me did kind of like I I did perceive this movie differently. 20 years later mm-hmm. having that. And and I think honestly, just society has changed. I think in the nineties people were not as, um, I, I, I still think that things were like culturally segregated in a way mm-hmm. when we were making our movies and it was still acceptable to have these kinds of characters in our movies, in our mainstream movie. And that be like the only representation for people of color in the movie is just this one very like fantastic not realistic character in an otherwise extremely realistic movie about prison. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It hits different. I uh, here I come with like the intellectual sideball to you know make you think about things in a different light. I'm sure you guys uh, probably weren't on that tip when you were watching this movie, but that was something in the back of my mind when I was watching it. I was like, yeah, I don't know if this movie would be so critically acclaimed if you if you made a movie like this today. I feel like we've come further as a society. Uh, then it's just like, these are kind of like reductive roles. Hmm. I've never considered any of this, but yeah, I think, I mean, you're right. He is, you think there could be a, some guard or somewhere out there another black person in this movie, but you're right. There's, there's, there's none. There's none that and, I can think of. And yeah. I think about the, the time when they bring John Coffey to the warden's uh, wife when yeah. she's in bed. Yeah. And they're just like, 
What are you doing here? Don't worry, don't worry. John Coffey, step forward. Yeah, yeah, there's the sick woman. Go ahead. And he gets up and he like puts his lips to her lips. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> He's the magical guy's just here to like solve everybody's problems. Like this is just such like a, I don't know, just a fantasy. I, I don't know. It's just like they compare this movie with other movies like The Legend of Bagger Vance and mm, a couple yeah. of others where it's just like these these are kind of just like fantasy characters. Mm. Um, we're using people of, of color as just like fantasy characters to make everybody else's life like really nice. It's just like, I don't know. Well, I'll say on my end, I, I could definitely see there being an argument for this kind of like opening the door for a lot of those kind of cliche movies and things like that. But I will say, watching this younger, I did find it really, uh, it was really powerful to me seeing just how fucked this guy was just for being who he was. You know, like, it, like uh, you know, and, and, and just putting it in, like, seeing this as a young guy, it was affecting to me definitely seeing like yeah how how just this guy was so uh just fucked out the gate no matter what he could yeah i mean just for being who he was and um so yeah i, de I think we definitely deal with things in more complex ways now but at the time i, I don't yeah know, it, it, i actually yeah. think the message of this movie was really sweet and beautiful when it came out and the world has changed so much it's almost a fucked up message now because john coffee is like honestly tom hanks asked him like what do you want me to do dude you're innocent i'll let you go yeah. and he goes Man, just fucking kill me my i mean my life yeah. is filled with so much pain and nobody out there can accept who i am he literally says consider it a kindness to just put me to death. And I'm yeah. like, fuck dude. Yeah. Damn. The system is fucking broken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy shit. So that movie hits a little differently. Yeah. When it's not 1999 anymore. Yeah. I just feel like everything we've gone through as a society, you can't view this movie the same way as you did when it came out. At least I can. Sure. And this, this at one point was my favorite movie of all time. And, but I don't know if I just, you know, I feel like I've just mentally, uh, I've, I'm just different now. <laughs> I can't view it the same as I did mm. when I was 15. Well, what you want to talk about shakers? Well, what shakers would you give it? Was my question. I don't know if, you want, if we're there yet. We can do shakers. Um, all that aside, I still think this is a really entertaining movie. I don't yeah. think that what I just mentioned, the trope, the magical black man trope, I don't think that that will ruin this movie for anybody at all. I just don't no. think this movie would be Oscar worthy. If it, no, you no, know, no, not today. We're talking about this movie was nominated for Best Picture. Michael Clark Duncan was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I don't think that these ideas and these performances are like, would be so critically acclaimed in this day and age. I mm -hmm. do think that they it would be nominated. I It didn't win here, and I don't think it would win today. But I, there's they nominate 10 movies. This is going to make it, I think, you know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it, was, it, it was nominated for like four or five different things, and it didn't win any of them. Yeah. So yeah. I even think like at the time people were just tired of like this kind. I, I feel like it's a very uh, uh, just I think people are tired of this kind of dynamic and character being being portrayed on screen. All right. Well, mm. that being said, I would still give it three and a half shakers out of five, almost four. I think that it is a little long. You know, the mm -hmm. movie's a little long. I don't think they need to spend quite so much time on every little story arc. Um, and that's all, you know. Yeah. Uh, for me, I again think this movie is great and so sad that it makes it, you know, I'm gonna say the movie to me is like, yeah, I'll say three and a half. I'll agree with you on that. 
I, it takes a lot for me to get through it. I don't know when I'll watch it again. That one scene in particular is fucking haunting me, but uh, it's a great movie, but it's just... I'm made for a happy movie, guys. This is just... Uh, no more sad movies. This is just tough. Sean, I'm, I'm really trying, but I think you... You you I think you find the sad. <laughs> there there's a lot of fun mouse play in this. There movie. is mouse play. You know, I was trying. There's to dick grabbing. Do you? Yeah, exactly. There. Um, oh, I had one. Um, there they uh, tugging on it till it's big. No, we already did big. Yeah, we already did that. Uh, no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, for me this is a four. Um, I do think. Um. I think it's still a really entertaining and unique movie, you know? And yeah, there is some degree of it. I totally feel that is, you know, again, late nineties, early two thousands, there's a certain sappy thing that just kind of washed over everything. And this movie definitely utilizes that. And like you said, there's things that, yeah, maybe today, yeah, maybe wouldn't, wouldn't do that. But, uh, but it's still unique and very entertaining. And in terms of it being long, you know, it is a long movie, um, but I'll just say on my end, I loved the, uh, so many of the characters in this movie that I was happy to spend a long time with them. So the the length of it never really bothered me personally, but it might, I could definitely see the argument for like, yo, it's a little lengthy. But anyway, uh, but yeah, I'm going to stick with that. I think four for me. Okay. So that's a four from Rocco and a three and a half from me and Sean each. Uh, that's pretty high ranking for the Green Mile. Yeah, pretty good. All right, next week it's my pick, and we're gonna we're gonna move out of the the sadness genre. We're just gonna go straight up a baseball movie. I'm afraid for something lighthearted. We're gonna watch the movie Bull Durham about the minor league baseball team, the Durham Bulls, starring Kevin Costner. So. Get ready for some baseball, everyone. Is this the one where he builds a... Uh, That's Field of Dreams. Oh. This is Bull Durham. Get fucking What's ready. the movie where Kevin Costner's a golfer? I, Tin Cup. Tin that's Cup. Not, oh, that's not this movie. That's not this one. Oh, shit. This is the one where he is the catcher for the Durham Bulls. Oh. oh. Does this movie have the scene where Kevin Costner drinks his own piss? Uh, Yes. He also does that in War World, but he did it here first. Oh, okay. She pull she uh she pulling on his cup until he tins. I don't know. Well, we'll see you next time. He gave her so much uh penis that her she was terminal. Watch Bull Durham. Um AI. He's not an AI.